If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 17 of the He Said, She Said podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve, as joined always by my co-host, Ashley Spivey. Ashley, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You found a decent spot in the house to record. You'll notice uh, in today's today's episode in our second caller, Ashley's uh, connection wasn't the greatest. You can hear her, but... Initially, when she starts speaking, you will be hearing some cutting in and out. Um, it's never really happened before. Ashley's always had a good connection, so, um, you know, it is what it is. But we, yeah. fi- we fight our way through it. We have two calls. Sometimes I have to do it from Burley's. Yes, sometimes <laughs> you have to do it from Burley's uh, place. And yes. um, we have two calls. We have Nancy and we have Beth. And before we get into those, um, well... I, I just wanted to mention that um, as you are listening to this on Wednesday morning, March 20th, when this is posted, just know that I am on a plane right now to Las Vegas, which is my happy place. You know how, you know how like you have this, you, you go places and it's your ha- you, you just call it your happy place? Well, it could be some place in your own house that you just, Vegas is my happy place. Let's face it. Um this is the trip I look forward to all year. <laughs> this is my March Madness trip. Um, I always go. Well, I should say always. The last three years I've gone for the first week of March Madness. And I'm very excited. And I wish, I mean, I will, uh, I mean, I. it sucks that Hannah's season is actually filming during, while I'm out there. So I'm technically still going to be doing work. But uh, I will relay any information I get on Hannah's season as I'm, as I'm out there. Um but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm going to be this weekend, Ashley. What are you? What are your plans? What are you doing? I have a wedding this weekend. Ooh, where? In New York. Oh, <laughs> so I don't have to travel, which is nice. Please let me know if there's a money dance at this wedding. <laughs> there will not be a money dance. Oh. I can already tell you. <laughs> oh. It's one of my best friends. Does she even know what? Have you talked about this with her? Does she even know what a money dance is? Did she have any idea? Yes. I mean, I asked my friends after the whole money dance debacle. Yeah. And like I said, I've been to a shit ton of weddings. 
and I haven't seen one. And then I asked my friends too, and no one had seen one. So I just, I don't know if like we're in the wrong area of the country or what, but yeah. I still just want to see a money dance. Can okay. someone just invite me to a wedding that's going to have one so I can go? And you can say you you were a part of it. Um, I need to go back to um, okay. Our, this so this t- today is March twenty seventh, so March nineteenth. Uh, our last show was three weeks ago. Sorry, we missed a week. Um, so that would have been oh god, what was the date of our last show? I only I, I do that because I need to go find the poll question. I should have pulled this up beforehand, but I didn't. Um, so nineteenth, twelfth. Fifth, okay, so end of February. I'll find the poll it question. It was the music question. Oh yes, that's why I, I want to pull was. it. Okay, here it is. I found it. So on our last, <laughs> on our last podcast, Ashley had a field day with me listening to music during sex, and she even created the <laughs> oh, she even created the reality Steve sexy time playlist with <laughs> a bunch of songs on Spotify that she pulled up. One of them being the Beverly Hills nine hundred two and theme song which i can pretty much guarantee you i've never had a love making session to um but <laughs> the poll question we put up was how often do you have music on during sex all the time more than half the time less than half the time or never 89% of you were either less than half the time or never so i'm floored by that answer I, I had no idea that I was the freak show here and I'm literally part of the 11%. Yeah. I'm part of 11%. We had 9,500 votes on this and 11% basically said either all the time or more than half the time. And I do want to make one thing clear because I don't know if it was clear during that podcast. It's not like when the sexy time starts, I tell the person, Hey, wait right here. I need to go turn this on before anything further. No, I'm just saying that at times it has been on. There were times where I purposely did what I just said, but it was more of a joke because, like I said, it was with an ex, a long distance. The whole the whole lovemaking playlist was a joke because it had no lovemaking songs on it. It was a bunch of Katy Perry and Kesha and Taylor Swift songs that weren't really, really... They were, I told you, they were like bubblegum pop songs on that thing. So, uh, yeah. But gosh, eighty nine percent, Ashley. I never would have thought that in a million years. Eighty nine percent, either less than half the time, I or mean, never have music on. I know I'm a little weird, and like even I don't always put on music when I get in the car. Like sometimes I just like silence, and I don't know if maybe that's because like I'm a nanny and I just like talk all the time. So sometimes I just like a lot of quiet. <laughs> but I did not expect the results to be like that. Yeah, I thought it would at least be like half the time. It was sixty-one percent of that is never, and twenty-eight was less than half the time. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy. Sixty-one percent of you never have any music on ever, man. Like I said, I guess I'm the freak show in all this. But um, anyway, <laughs> we'll have we'll, we'll have a we'll have a poll question for you tomorrow. I don't know what it'll be, but uh, or today when you're listening to this. Uh, I, I don't know what it'll be yet, but we'll think of something. But uh, let's get let's get to our callers this week. We first up, we've got uh, uh, Nancy and then Beth after her. So uh, let's get to our first caller. Let's bring in our first caller. It is an alliteration, my favorite, Nancy in North Carolina. Nancy, 
How are you? I'm fine. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing great. Doing good. Uh, I know you got a couple issues here, so why don't you uh, start off and tell everybody what you're dealing with? Okay. Well, I had two things that I was calling in about. One had to do with a family member, unfortunately, committing suicide. And the other, on a completely unrelated note, had to do with a unique childbirth story. Okay. Let's do the um, family member first. How how long ago was this? This was probably about four years ago. Okay. All right. Go ahead with that one. So um, I had a couple grandparents living in town, the place where I lived, and um, I've always been very close to my grandparents, and I had two of them passed away due to natural causes and we knew it was coming. It had to do with hospice and whatnot. But then, um, when it came to the third, he, it was my grandfather. He was doing cognitively pretty well. Um, and I was visiting him on at a minimum, a weekly basis, but suddenly we all learned that he had, like I mentioned earlier, committed suicide, which was quite a surprise and quite a um, depressing event for all of us. I'm so sorry. I appreciate that. What, I mean, you said it was four years ago. Did you guys have any clue that he was, what caused the suicide? Do we even know? Did he leave a note? Was there signs of this? You know, it was interesting because I feel like when you see it in the movies or you read about it in a book or something like that, there's that trademark note that someone leaves. And in this situation, he left a variety of notes. And the notes had to do with what, at least in his mind, he thought was going to come of the situation. And here's directions for the funeral and his finances and what have you. Um, But it wasn't any sort of quote-unquote goodbye note it was all of those notes and in regard to um whether we knew it was coming or what caused it um I think it was the fact that the other grandparents who were already in town had passed away so maybe he just lost motivation or purpose of life and in addition to that he was the type of person that took pride in being in control of himself. He was surprisingly adept at the age that he was at. And I think in his mind, he felt as if he was starting to slip, even though from an outsider's point of view, for that age again, he was doing quite well. But in his mind, he thought he was starting to slip and he never wanted to get to the point where he wasn't in control and therefore as soon as he felt that sign that he was starting to slip, he said, I'm going to take control of the situation and just do away with myself, which we all wish he never would have done. Was he deteriorating health-wise? The, not mentally. And, I mean, I don't know his total physical history, but I don't think physically is as well. However, the one event that happened beforehand was that it had something to do with his eyes. There was a, I don't know the exact condition, but something happened where there was a, a brief period of time during which he couldn't 
see at least very well. It's like this temporary blindness that happens at that age. And I think he thought that he was about to go blind or something like that. And therefore, again, he was going to completely lose control over what he was able to do at that age. Um, so to that end, he did have that condition. However, we at least learned subsequent to his death that what he may have experienced during that brief period of time, again, was temporary. And therefore, if he had just waited a little bit, he would have realized, oh, you know, yes, maybe that happened before and it may happen again, but it's not, I'm not permanently going blind sort of thing. Mm. It almost sounds like from the notes that he left that maybe he was suffering from some sort of depression sounding like he thought maybe he was going to become a burden. Yes, I do think that he thought that, which kills me. And, you know, that's part of what I still struggle with because, you know, of course that would have been the last thing that he would have been. And I would have loved to continue on being able to have him in my life. And I'm sure all of my, the rest of my family would as well as long as we possibly could have. I mean, the last thing he was was a burden. If anything, he was the last thing we had in terms of the grandparents that were left. And so it was upsetting when the others naturally passed away. And, of course, they couldn't have done anything about it. And then he chose to do this himself. If I had known that he was headed down that route, I would have said, no, don't do it. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, with a lot of people who commit suicide you know their brain is not working in a logical way at that point and even if you would have been able you know to even like try to tell him that stuff I think it sounds like his mind was already made up you know yeah and I know I mean that's heartbreaking and I I can only imagine how you feel but you have to know that like that is not your fault at all Right. It definitely makes you second guess everything. You know, you start thinking, well, should I have visited him more or said something to him? Listen, you're the last grandparent left here in town, but it, we want we want you around sort of. Thing. Is there anything, you know, that we could have done to make him feel as if he should have stuck around but at the same time you don't even know that they're thinking about something like that he didn't give us any indications that he was depressed and suddenly he does this and um we understand that it's not our fault but at the same time it's so hard because as soon as you hear it your immediate reaction is you almost want to say to that person no no no, no wait don't do it I understand why you'd have that thought but at the same time here's why you shouldn't ever do something like that. But of course, by the time all those thoughts are going through your head, it's too late. They're gone. Right. Well, where are you yeah, at now? I, I, where are you at now with it? Are, uh, it sounds like you're still struggling. I take it. And you're not able to sort your feelings out here of, I know you had mentioned to me in your initial email that, you know, you're having a bunch of emotions of, hurt angry you know not a full understanding of what went on like it still seems to bother you right oh absolutely i mean i think that no matter what 
I will always have those emotions about it. I think they can get better. And after it happened, we were contacted by the local victim advocate support agency. And I did go to meet with them and they explained that they could provide counseling and whatnot, which I did to some degree. But um, I think that that saying time heals all wounds is true. It mitigates it. But all those emotions you just listed and that I had emailed you about will probably always be there. I I feel all those things that you just said. In a way, I understand. In a way, I'm mad. In a way, I'm sad. And when it first happened, it would affect me on a daily basis. I mean, of course, even the day it happened, you know, I had to leave work and it's this whole thing. And nowadays, that, of course, wouldn't happen. I wouldn't have to leave work over it or something like that. But at the same time, at times it will come up or let's say someone brings up the issue of suicide and they don't realize that I went through an experience involving that and it brings back up that memory. And then I don't want to say anything because it's somewhat of a private matter. And so it's not something you're able to discuss with people openly, which perhaps maybe for the best. I don't know. When you said um, you had attended some counseling, was that with a therapist or was it more in like a group setting for people who had had experience with suicide? It was one-on-one and it was the local county victim service. So because this happened in like a retirement home sort of thing, um, the county stepped in and they offer those services free. And so I went and they did say there are groups that you can go to for family members of a person that who has committed suicide, which probably would be helpful. I never did that, but they, it was one-on-one through that county service. Yeah, I think talking to other people who have been through something similar can really help. And I would also say I really do think therapy can help so much in this situation because there are you know, you're going to have to like have some sort of coping mechanisms for when you do encounter those people who are going to be, you know, kind of insensitive around suicide. Right. So I, I think those would help if you would be open to it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm always open to therapy and it's one of those things that I should definitely look into of course you get busy with your day-to-day life and you say oh I don't have time to do that but certainly would be helpful I mean I remember this is years well years ago but actually at the similar time to when this happened that um I became aware of something there was a local accident where a young lady who was in high school had killed herself it was in the news and whatnot and you know, she had left her letter and people were discussing it. And at that time, I mean, it affected me to the point that I had to go out to my car and I called my mom and I was breaking down and I didn't really know why. And then she said, oh, it's because of this, you know, this is fresh on your mind and you haven't really had the chance to get over this sort of thing yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's no like guidebook to grief. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah, everyone experiences it differently. And the thing I will say about therapy is I even saw this on my friend Taylor's um, Instagram story today, actually. But it said, 
you don't have to wait to seek out therapy until you hit rock bottom. Right. And I would really, I mean, I listen, I know everyone's lives are so busy, but I think that it is something important to seek out just to make sure, you know, one day it doesn't hit you so hard that it's going to affect everything else in your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think the main um, emotion that I think would be important to deal with is essentially the anger about it, because I can understand why someone would be sad as a result of that or confused or what have you. But at the same time, it makes me mad at him in a way, which I wish I would never be. I wish I would never be in the position to be mad at him. I loved him so much. And in my eyes and my perspective, my entire experience with him, I never would have been mad at him for anything. And then suddenly he does this thing that it makes me mad. Why would you take yourself away? Why would you make all of us hurt so much as a result of this? And yet, if I had the chance to talk to him about it and say, wait a minute, what are you doing? Then perhaps even if he could have explained it to me, I may have said, okay, I wish you wouldn't, but at least I understand. But I don't even have that chance. So I think as you were saying, therapy would be helpful at a primary level to deal with that anger Yeah, because I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. Anger is very normal. Like what you're experiencing, you should not feel shame for feeling that. That is a very normal grieving process. It really is. Yeah. I, I read something recently and someone was saying that they had a, a spouse or some family member or something that had committed suicide. And they were saying, I, I, at first, again, I was angry, but now I understand it was depression and what have you, but I was thinking about that. And so I was hoping it made me feel better. But at the same time, I was thinking, I don't know that it was depression with him. I think maybe a, a dose of senility, but at the same time, just him being the type of person that wanted to maintain control, which is not depression. It's pride in a way, but you know, there's so many things to talk out and think about that. Like you said, therapy is certainly probably the best option. For sure. Well, there's, I mean, there's probably no easy segue into the next topic. So, I mean, well, let's, I, you did have another thing you were talking about, a baby is a happy topic. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I was talking about, um, the birth of my husband and I's daughter, which like I says, very happy topic. And I thought it may be useful for listeners to hear because of course, many women have given birth, but in a way it's unique in that, um, not only was it a C-section, but it was a C-section as a result of her being what they call quote transverse. So a lot of people hear about a baby being breached, in other words, head up and feet down, and therefore there has to be a C-section. In this case, she was sideways, so her head was on one side of my stomach and feet on the other, and uh, it was a planned C-section, and I am happy to share about the whole experience, but I thought that was a bit unique that she was the transverse position. I really have not heard about that happening that much. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yes, I googled it. Like, it was basically like perpendicular. 
The baby was perpendicular yes. to your legs, essentially. That's absolutely right. Oh, okay. Right. T for me. And okay, leading up to leading up to the C-section, they said, well, of course, if the baby changes position and she goes head down, then we don't have to do the C-section. You can try to have the baby the natural way. But the funny thing was I knew for sure whether or not she had changed positions because I could feel her head on the left side of my stomach, like you said, Steve, perpendicular to me. And I knew it had not moved whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> it was stuck in that position. How how new is your baby? She's one and a half. Oh. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yes. This, okay. So this happened eighteen. Okay. Not one and a half. Mo- Wait. One and a half months or one and a half years old? That's a good point. One <laughs> and a half years. Okay. So about years. Right. eighteen months. Yes. Right. Gotcha. Yes. Um, and so. Were there any transverse. complications with a C-section with it, her being transverse? There were not, oh, thankfully. Um, when we very first learned, which I'm sure many women, women who are pregnant know, there's this ultrasound, if you will, at some point in the pregnancy, I forget the number of weeks, how long it is, but they check every measurement of the baby. They're able to check the circumference of the head and the measurements of the fingers and what have you. And it was at that ultrasound that they said, Oh, by the way, your baby is transverse and you therefore may have to have this C-section. But by that point, it was so far in the future that the birth was going to happen. They said 90% of the babies will turn on their own to become head down. And that's probably what would happen with yours and everything will be fine. And it was just, and so from there, we went from there. And it was interesting because anyone that asked about how things are going, the pregnancy and whatnot, when we told them that we may have to have a C-section, it was met with this, oh, I'm so sorry. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope the baby moves. And then we even what? got to the, yes, <laughs> it was, which scared me, of course. Oh my God, oh. people, people have got to stop with this pregnancy stuff. <laughs> they definitely do. And it, this is our first child. And I was already scared enough as it was, regardless of the method of birth. So that didn't help. And uh, then we got to the point where there's a point at, during which the pregnancy that you can attempt, the doctor can attempt to actually, interestingly enough, physically move the baby. So she, again, like Steve said, he, she was perpendicular and he could try to manually move the baby's head to face down. So putting his hands on your stomach and trying to move the baby. She moved maybe a couple inches and then she went right back to where she was. She said, heck no, I'm not moving anywhere. She was like lounging. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she did not budge. <laughs> okay. And the doctor, okay. the doctor said, no, I'm leaving her right where she is. I- ignorant Steve has to chime in here. <laughs> sure. yes. We seem to get one of these every call. Um, <laughs> we need to get you a, like a buzzer or a bell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. Now you said you were scheduled to have an, a, a C-section. Yes. W- if, which is where they cut open your stomach and remove the baby that way. So my question, I guess would be why, why does it, why did the doc, doctor try and move it? So it would go head out if you were already going to have a C-section or, was it trying to make it head out so you didn't have to have a C-section? That's why you made the appointment, because it wouldn't come head out? Exactly the latter. Okay, gotcha. 
So as soon as they do that scan at the earlier time where I was in to measure the fingers and the toes and what have you, um, they say you may have to have a C-section and the doctor is for whatever reason, I guess it's better. I'm not a doctor, but as I understand better for the baby to at least try to have the regular birth. And so they'll do everything they can to attempt to get you to that point. So when I had that scan, they said, you may have to have a C-section if the baby does not go head down. And then we get closer and closer. They check again. Oh, the baby hasn't moved. Therefore, do you want to try this procedure or not? And you don't even have to try it. I believe it's called an ECV, if I recall correctly. Um, but if if you want, the doctor can try it. And they do. And a lot of times it works, I think, especially if you're not on your first child because you're a little bit more flexible for a lack of a better term in your stomach region and whatnot. But, um, so they'll try it. And if that doesn't work, even then after that, they said, okay, we're going to schedule you for a date. But if on its own, the baby moves, then we still will not do the C-section. And that's why I was saying after that date, we had a specific date on which they're going to do the C-section. And I knew they said, Oh, we'll check the morning up to see if the baby's moved. And I said, I know the baby hasn't moved. Cause like I said, I could feel her head right there. She has not moved. And of course, then we went ahead with the C-section. Well, I mean, wow. I mean, even though it was a year and a half ago, obviously congratulations that everything pulled through Thank and, you you. Have a, and no complications and you have a healthy baby. And, you know, Nancy, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story with us. Like we said on the first topic of suicide, like, like Ashley said, there's, Everybody grieves differently, and there's no universal answer to how you should. Um, but I, obviously, therapy is something that we've talked about numerous times on this show, and we think it's positive for you and positive for anybody to go through therapy. Uh, so absolutely. everyone should be in therapy. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is. You know, you know who uh, you know who should be in therapy. Every single woman that showed up on the Women Tell All and sat there last night. I hear you. Did that? <laughs> they all need therapy. Sometimes- Sometimes I wish they would actually like bring out a therapist to like talk to them. Well, got, I I listened to a podcast. They got one on I set think, <laughs> as well. I think it was um Olivia Caridi's podcast, and she was saying there was a, a like a stand-in therapist for the Bachelorette or Bachelor people. Yeah, but I don't know how well it works. Yeah, there is one. Well, it was, do- it was Dr. Selden for years, and then she got shit-canned so- shit after the Paradise incident, right? Selden, oh. Selden? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know who it is now, but yeah, it was Dr. Catherine Selden for the longest time. Um, yeah. And then I don't know. I think that's the name that Olivia said. I can't. It's been quite a while yeah. since I heard it, but I think so. Yeah. Yeah, she's not there anymore. I think it was after the... Corinne DeMario thing is when she got replaced. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, Nancy, thank you very much uh, for calling in. We really appreciate it and keep us updated on if, if things, uh, obviously there wasn't anything that in particular to where you had a set date, but I would definitely check in with us about your therapy and, and how it's going. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You got it. All right. Bye Nancy. Bye. Okay. Um, thank you to Nancy for that call. Um, uh, see, ignorant Steve, he did make an appearance. However, it was, I didn't feel all that dumb. 
uh, checking no, in on that. I, I just didn't wish, know. I wish people could have seen how you were using your hands <laughs> to figure out the way in which the baby was in her the position of the baby. In I was her like, uterus. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I was because I was because when she was explaining it, I'm like, wait a second, what is, um, yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, I didn't. People miss out on a lot by not being able to see (laughs) us. I know. Um, well, thank you to Nancy for that. I appreciate. it. I hope she checks in with us down the road. Um, I do have an update, Ashley, from a caller. I don't. Actually. Again, you know what? I this might have been this one was Do you remember the caller who um I honestly I can't remember if this was it might have even been this might have been Charlene that long ago. I can't remember. Um hmm. You know what? I think it was. But anyway, we got an update from a caller, Kate. Um update on her wedding front. Uh, they talked with their parents who are footing the bill about size. It was, it was a couple that wanted, it was like parents were very controlling about what they wanted to contribute to the wedding. Do you remember this or no? I mean, we've had a couple of wedding episodes. So what else was it? Parents said they wanted to honor our wishes, but that this was also a celebration for them as their only daughter and last child is getting married. We settled on an appropriate guest list number of 125, which allows us to give the parents what they want while still keeping it smaller. We told his parents, unless they were willing to chip in, they needed to majorly ax out some numbers on their guest list. And when they found out how much a wedding costs per person, were immediately willing to do so. Seems like the initial excitement got the parents acting over the top. And when numbers came along, everyone simmered down. We're still toying with the idea of eloping prior to the wedding just so we can have one day that's focused on us and not the big party and details. Yeah, I, I have... think that must have been with Charlene. Okay. Um, yeah. But that's but... awesome. Good for yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, yeah, it was the in-law, it was his parents that were, we want a big wedding, and they didn't want one, essentially, is mm. what it was. That's what it was. Um, I would say, listen, Steve and I had heard about this so much that we decided we were going to pay for the wedding ourselves. <laughs> And you did? Yeah. You just didn't do a money dance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Please don't bring that up. The money dance. God, it was so... I mean, hell, we should have after (laughs) paying for it. (laughs) Um... Yeah, no, that was... uh, That was Kate. I'd have to go back and look. Maybe it was. Gosh. Maybe it was Charlene. Um, We get so many calls, and I, I get confused. But anyway... Thank you to Nancy uh, for for coming on. Now uh, let's get to caller number two. All right, let's bring in our second caller. Her name is Beth. She lives in New York. Beth, how are you? I'm good, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Ashley. Hi, Beth. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get started here. Uh, Beth, fill us in on exactly uh, what the situation is, what you're dealing with. Sure. Um, I actually have two children. I have a son who is 19 and he's a freshman in college. And I have a daughter who's 15 and she's a freshman in high school. Um, Two weeks ago, uh, almost to the day now, um, 
we had made an appointment for my daughter to see a psychiatrist because she was having some anxiety attacks. Um, basically, you know, if she was in a room full of people, she would get very anxious about being in that room full of people and uh, not want to be there. Uh, she said it felt like her chest was uh, tight and she couldn't breathe. So we thought, hey, we're going to get her some help, see if um, they can give her some coping skills, things like that. So we went into this doctor's appointment um, and they started with both of us in the room. And as we sat there, again, I thought my daughter was just going to talk about anxiety. And um, she said that she had considered suicide. So uh, this is a 15-year-old young lady who, you know, her mom and dad think, oh, my goodness, she has everything that, to live for. And here she is contemplating suicide. Um, so she said and, that she said this in, in, in the therapy session with you there, and this is the first you had heard of this ever being brought up. You got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really scary as a parent to yeah. think that you know your kids so well, and yet here you are. Um, and your daughter is with you every day and you have no idea that this is what's going on. Um, so what, what happened is the doctor, uh, refused to actually treat her at that point and wanted her to be evaluated further. Um, so there was a facility near our house, um, that specializes in, um, mental health issues for adolescents and adults. Um, and that, that evening we took her there for an evaluation. Um, they determined that because she didn't have active thoughts of wanting to kill herself, that she wasn't a threat to herself. So she didn't need to be in an inpatient situation. Um, so the next morning we had to bring her to what they call a partial hospitalization unit. So um, we basically dropped her off at 7.30 in the morning and couldn't pick her up until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So she has spent every day, Monday through Friday, there. Um, and they uh, have a psychiatrist who saw her, um, was able to prescribe her some medication. Um, and she has counseling, she has group sessions, she has one-on-one -on -one sessions, and then they will work on getting her uh, reintegrated back into going back to school, because, of course, she's missed two weeks of school now, too. Um, but the, 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 the big thing here with me is that, um, you know, you, you have no idea. That, that this is what's happening, and I keep calling her my baby. She's not a baby. <laughs> but, but you know, you, you don't have any idea that this is going on. You think, oh, my goodness, they're just teenagers, and, you know, she's got everything going for her. She's got, you know, her life and her friends, and she's in band, and she's in extracurricular activities, and yet this is what you find out. And I... I I keep saying to people, you know, thank God I listened to her that she wanted help with anxiety and I got her at least that kind of help because we might be planning a funeral today instead of getting her the help that she needs. Yeah. Um, when, she, when she first brought that up in therapy to you and then obviously 
you were you obviously had no idea and you were taken aback by it when you spoke to her afterwards what was she saying um what was putting her in that state and what 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 was making her feel that way did she ever go into detail with it to you um she basically just said that it was a thought of well maybe everybody would be better off if i just wasn't here um you know maybe um like her brother was home from college and he was fussing at her because she was making noise while he was trying to do his recordings or something like that. And so she thought, oh, well, maybe it would just be better if I wasn't here. Yikes. And the, the only positive piece that I took out of that room is she told the psychiatrist that the only thing that stopped her from doing it is that she knew how upset her dad and I would be. Mm-hmm. And she knew that that would devastate us to lose her. <sighs> and it, it's just, when, I, when I, you definitely, you know, did the right thing. And I think Ashley's cutting out. Um, her signal's not great. Um, Ashley, you there? I'm here. Okay, yeah, your signal was cutting in and out. We didn't get any of that, but go ahead. I got you now. Oh, I was just saying, you know, you definitely did the, um, sending her to get help with her anxiety and making her feel safe enough where she talk about that that with someone. And if more people, you know, would just listen to their kids whenever they're saying that they have anxiety I feel like a lot of people could get their children help a lot quicker. I completely agree with you. And I mean, I kept thinking, well, you know, it's just a little bit of anxiety. You know, what, what's the big deal? You know, we all have some anxiety at some point. I guess I just didn't realize, you know, how serious it was. And I, I didn't really didn't realize that she had major depression as well. And it just, it scares me to think that, you know, what could have happened if I hadn't made that appointment and hadn't gone and gotten her the help that she needed. And, you know, on top of this, my son, who is away at college, is now um, on medication and seeing a therapist, too, because he has anxiety. And he's actually been diagnosed as bipolar. Um so both of my children now uh, have mental health issues. And um, one of the things that is difficult is their biological father isn't in their lives. Um, and I am now finding out that he had, and possibly still does, um, has these issues as well. So uh, now we think that there's a genetic connection. That was, that was going to be my next question is, does this, do you have any of a history of it in your family? And I guess that answers it. Their father does, even though he hasn't been around. Um, are things getting better for her in these two weeks that she's been away and in this therapy? Has, is she telling you or do you not see her till the end of this? Um, no, I, I get to bring her home every okay. night. So is she, is she saying it's getting better? Like, is she feeling better? Uh, she is getting there. She is not uh, to where she needs to be yet. Um, we have an appointment with the psychiatrist tomorrow to discuss her medication that she's on. 
Um, I think that she needs a little bit of an adjustment, but it's hard to tell because it's so new. She On Friday, it will only be two weeks that she's on the medicine, and they usually like to let them be on it for two weeks before you make any changes. Um, so um, just to give you an example, she went back to school for a little while to, for the day today um, just to see how she would do. And she's going back to the partial hospitalization program tomorrow, but she had a panic attack at school and I had to leave work and bring her medication. She has a, um, a medicine that she can take when she has the anxiety attack that will like calm her down. And so I had to take that to her because she was frantic. And when I got there, you could see it. I mean, she was just shaking and like, you know how people jiggle their legs real fast. She was doing that and her face, she, she just looked like she was going to cry. So, um, I think it's a constant work in progress. I, yeah. I don't think that we're where we need to be yet, but at least we're in the process of getting her what she needs. What about what about school in that when when she does go back? I mean, I don't I'm guessing you're not going to ex, she's not going to explain the real reason why she was gone just for fear of, you know, people talking about it and stuff like that. What is she going to say? Yeah, we had that discussion um, with the school. So she said that if someone asks her that she doesn't want to tell, she's just going to tell them, you know, hey, I was just out of school for a while. I really don't want to talk about it and kind of avoid the question. Um, the biggest thing that they tell her is don't lie. So right. if somebody asks you and you need to say something to them, just say, hey, you know what? I wasn't feeling great. I went into this program to get some help. And that's what I did. Um she has a couple of friends that know where she was at, where, what's going on and exactly what's happening. Oh, okay. um, so she's people that she can reach out to while she's at school and good friends that will listen to her and give her some help. Um, in addition to that, the school actually works with her too. And um, they have given her a pass on the back of her ID that she can go like to the nurse's office or the counselor's office to get help during the day if she's having, you know, problems. And if something happens in class and she can't, she has a, an attack coming on and can't handle it. She actually has permission to tell the teacher, Hey, I've got to run down to the nurse's office and she can go get some help during the day too. Well, that's good. That's great that the school is being so supportive of it. I was shocked to find out, I mean, how many kids actually have this happen. Um, she has a school where her graduating class will be like um, seven or 800 kids. So, you know, the, the school is like a size of about 3,500 to 4,000 kids. She said that they have this happen all the time. And that like almost every day they're finding out another kid who's in one of these programs. I had no idea. But, I mean, at, at least kids are getting help, but yikes. Yeah. It, yeah. The medication you said she's on, is, is that antidepressants? What is she on? Yeah. Uh, it's called Lexapro. Yeah. Okay, I've heard of that. Uh, mm -hmm. so it, it is for depression. And then um, she has been prescribed, I believe it's Clonopin, which is the anxiety one where she can take that as she's having an attack. Yeah, I've heard of a couple I know right. there's a couple of celebrities that have talked about just on Instagram. I've seen them mention clonopin and uh, yeah, definitely anti-anxiety ma uh, medication. Um, are you worried at, at all for your son now? 
And I mean, the thing, um, I, I would, if, if I didn't feel as um, close to him as I do, I would say yes. Um, but he is on the, the Lexapro as well. They're actually on the exact same medicine, exact same dose. Um, and he is required to see the counselor at school at, uh, every week, once a week, as part of being able to be on the medication. So it, it's he is getting the help that he needs as well. Go ahead, Ashley. Yeah. Oh, I was just say I think that um, with these medications and with expecting to see results. Um, sometimes it can be a frustrating process just because, um, you know, things don't happen as quickly as you want them to happen. And over time you can see, uh, what's working for you and what's not working for you. And sometimes they have bad side effects or sometimes you don't see any side effects at all. But just, I think that, um, with the, with the drugs, it's not as easy as, taking them and immediately seeing things happen. There's always this constant balancing act of either getting the right dosage or, you know, find when it's working for you. I, I agree. Um, and like the, the psychiatrist said right from the beginning that the, it would take two weeks to get into her system and, and really show us some results. And that two weeks isn't up until Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah, my concern is um, I also think that some of this um, is hormone related as well. Um, so that mm -hmm. with her cycle, um, she has more issues because of the hormonal imbalances. And so I, I didn't know if she was going to need like a little something extra during that time to help help keep her even. Um, that that was my biggest concern right now. That I, I noticed. So the first week that she was on it, I, I was noticing an improvement and now the second week and it coincides with her cycle and I see her um, having a little mo bit more of a struggle. Hmm. Right. Wow. Um, and this all, I mean, this literally all came down with you in the last two weeks. Like you had no idea about your son. Obviously you told us about your daughter, but with your son too being diagnosis bipolar that just recently came up you never noticed there was never anything that um made you suspect that before right correct and that happened more towards the beginning of the school year so like last fall okay. he, he got on the medication i'm gonna say around october he, he's been on the medicine that long um and and taking it regularly and he seems to say that it, it's helping him um but he was having the anxiety and uh, at first, we thought it was because he was away at school. You know, he's a music ed major, which is a big deal in a, a lot of classes. And he's overloaded in his classes and he's taking and he's in 17 ensembles and playing music all the time. And we thought, you know, he's just got too much and he's overwhelmed. And then it turns out that it really wasn't just that. So can I ask you another question about your daughter? Sure. Uh, has the doctor said anything about PMDD? It's funny you say that. We just talked about that yesterday. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm going to talk to the psychiatrist about tomorrow. Um, so Jenna also actually has PCOS. 
Okay. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, so he, mm-hmm. the, when, when I brought up about her cycle and, and being worse this week, he asked if she might have PMDD. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought about as soon as you said, um, that it seemed to get worse around her. Um, uh, the the your ex husband um I, I well I shouldn't assume that you were married but the father of their children were you married to him? I was yes. Okay. Have you spoken to him about this at all? Not at all. So, I don't even actually have his phone number to talk to him. Okay. But you know that he has it in his it, it it's in his uh, past, or it's yes. Okay. Yes. He was actually being treated for um, OCD and bipolar while I was married to him. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, yeah, this is a lot to, that you've come up, you've come into in the last six months. I mean, this is just, yeah. it's awful. But the best part is that you have gotten help and your kids seem to be on the right track. Um, this is obviously not something that's getting cured overnight. And we know this, it's a, you know, it's a long process. Like you said, your, your daughter's getting better, but she's not all there yet. Um, but, you know, uh, we wish you luck in this. I, this is something that's probably is important now. Um, just in the last few years, we, we've seen all the stories about children in high school and with, you know, it could stem from anything, online bullying, stuff like that. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad you caught it. I'm glad your daughter spoke up about anxiety and then she was able to at least have the courage to, to mention that in front of you in her first session. I mean, that's, that's probably in and of itself a miracle. Yes. Um, I would say to Beth, how, how are you feeling about everything? Um, I think it's pretty overwhelming. Um, luckily there is a parent resource group on Thursday morning. So we'll be going to our first session of that, um, this week. Um, and, and it's other parents who have kids in these programs as well. And, uh, there are, um, counselors that are there that can help you, uh, with your issues, you know, just everyday kind of stuff. Um, one of the things I said to the counselor is I I refuse to walk on eggshells around her. So I'm not going to treat her differently, uh, based on what's happening. So I, I need help with that too. Um, you know, I, I, I am less overwhelmed now, but the first couple of days when this was all, all happening, I, I was a mess. I, I was crying all the time. I had a migraine headache from crying. I, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't even talk about it because I was so upset, you know, not knowing exactly what was happening with my daughter. And it was just, it's, it's overwhelming as a parent too, because you question yourself and you question, you know, why didn't I see this in my kid? What what was I thinking that I couldn't see that she was having a problem? Why why didn't I notice? Why why? <laughs> and you know, I, I realized that I can't blame myself. I, I get that, but you still you know it keeps you up at night saying why didn't I figure this out sooner to get her help earlier? Yeah. Well, I think that group is going to be a great resource for you 
And I think, you know, you just, you on yourself. Anyone who has been information, the process that you just didn't recognize at the time. So try not to be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I, I understand, uh, you know, even though I'm not a parent and Ashley's not a parent, I think we understand that. I think any parent in your situation, especially finding out like that and having no clue would immediately, you know, question why, but obviously I, I wouldn't blame yourself. And I think it's just something that, you know, like you said, you're, you're the good thing is they're in the right steps and you did catch it. Uh, like you said earlier in the phone call, like if you didn't, who knows where you would be right now and you, you know, could be planning a funeral and that's obviously not the case, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, uh, Beth, I, I appreciate you coming on. This is a huge topic now. And, um, you know, this is something that, um, I, obviously we'd like to, you know, in a, in a couple months, please email me and let me know so we can update, um, the listeners on, on what you, uh, on what's going on with your daughter and your son for that matter. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot, Beth. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Beth. Bye. Yeah, that's a tough one, Ashley. Um, oh, do you want to do it with my audio being like this? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> is your audio going to change? Is there a way to fix it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Um, yeah, Beth. I mean, that, that's it's amazing that her daughter came to her and said that, and then they were able to get some help and. You know, all she can do is stay on this track and hope things get better. Um, you know, it's just you just never know in this situation. But the best part about that call was good thing that she did catch it because um, who knows what what could have happened. And you know, over something where she felt that oh, it'd just be better if I'm not around anymore. That's just a, it's such a simple thought, and you you're wondering like why would you even think that? But at 15 now and all sorts of different pressures i mean there's there's got to there, there's that's just tough to deal with well and when their brain isn't working properly yeah you know you can't trust your brain in those situations because your brain is isn't doing everything it needs to do and it's convincing you of things that aren't true yeah and um like she said, the two medications, uh, what Lexapro and Clonopin. I've heard Clonopin works really well if you're in the middle of an anxiety attack. That's what you take. And um, mm-hmm. there's a couple comedians I know. Uh, that's what I was referencing online. There was a couple comedians that talk about Clonopin a lot. And um, and comedians must suffer from anxiety all the time, just getting on stage and sometimes just drawing a blank or whatever. But um, they say it works great. Obviously, I've never done either and uh but i've heard great things about both of them but um uh, that'll do it sorry we were a day late and actually a week a week and a day late um we just had scheduling issues we had a couple cancellations but uh glad we got this episode in and uh so that'll do it for uh, episode 17 ashley thank you uh very much for coming on and um we will be back Always. We will be back in a couple weeks with episode number 18. So thank you very much for tuning in to the He Said, She Said podcast. Hope you're all enjoying these. I know we are. And uh, we will talk to you in a couple weeks. See ya. He's telling me no. He's dragging me down. He's leading me on and stringing along.